Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Good morning there, or maybe good afternoon or evening for you, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, to you men out there. And for, for the couple of you ladies that like to listen to this Holy Man podcast from time to time, uh, this is episode 24, uh, and it's the fourth one of this life group season that we find ourselves in. And during this season, we are talking about our communication and how we get into our communication with others and, uh, and how we can hopefully do better with it. And uh, today, uh, we're going to be talking about people who use flattery and manipulation in their uh, communication. And so we're going to be talking about things like lies and deception and exaggeration of the truth and uh, things like that. Today, I have another guest with me today, and uh, this is a a great man that I've gotten to know here a little bit over the last several years, and uh, he's a servant of God. And uh, today, I have Ken Ferguson with me today. Ken, welcome, and thank you for joining me on the Holy Man Podcast. Thanks, Paul. Glad to do it. Yeah, and and you just got out of, uh, you meet with the retired men's life group here on Wednesday morning, is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're... A bunch of old duffers. <laughs> well, it might be mature, but you guys all have a lot of energy left. I know for you, you uh, work with uh, several different ministries here at New Life or with Blessings in a Backpack. I know you work a lot with Zach and carrying out that ministry. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I love, love doing it. Love helping uh, feed the kids on the weekends. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Ken, just let the guys know a little bit about you, your family, uh, your wife, uh, do you have any kids? Uh, do you? How long did you work, and what kind of work did you do? Just give a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I met my wife forty-seven, a little over forty-seven years ago, and asked her to marry me. And we uh, we uh, got married in February fourteenth of nineteen seventy-six. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Okay. She, she said she wanted to be married on Valentine's Day, and I said, "Well, I'll never forget our anniversary." <laughs> that so, helps a lot. So. Uh, fortunately, we've been blessed uh, with two two girls. Okay, um, and they're I'm not going to say their ages. But <laughs> That's good. They're, they're uh, Sarah's our youngest, and Sonia's our oldest. Awesome. And we uh, are very blessed to have them. And we've got one grandson. His name is Colby. He's 23. I can say his age. Nice. And he lives in Alabama, so I only get to see him about once a year. But right. talk to him on the phone quite often. And awesome. He's uh, got an exciting life. He works on a uh, uh, crew for, uh, auto racing. Nice. So he travels all over the... With NASCAR? Or well, with... it's a lower league than NASCAR. It's right. Ar- ARCA. So he's, he's with a racing team and... That's awesome. He has a lot of fun doing that. Well, what so. kind of work did you do throughout your life? Well, I actually worked in mining most all of my career. I worked 46 years in mining. Um, 
everything from equipment repair side of it to uh, the last 15 years. I worked at a couple of local mines here and was a general manager over a couple of mines. So knew a little bit about mining for, for my career and enjoyed that. But that was really just a part-time job. My full-time job was being a husband and, and being a father. <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. I love hearing that. I'm sure your wife will love hearing that if she happens to listen to this podcast. Um, well, <clears throat> knowing that you were both a husband and a dad, <clears throat> I'm sure that your communication was absolutely perfect with your wife and your kids. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe Do you have something in t- you know that maybe you got in trouble with quite regularly? Yeah, you know, one of the things I did as our girls were being raised is I, if I was home, because I worked a lot, right? if I was home, I would go and wake the girls up in the morning and I would ask them if they were going to be a sunflower today or a snapdragon. Okay. And, you know, because I was trying to get them to learn to wake up in a positive mood. And right. so I, I would really work on the sunflower side of it. And pretty quick, I could get a little grin out of one of them. And, you know, and I still will do that as they, they're absolutely adult adults now. Right. And so I'll, I'll say, are you a sunflower today? And they, I'll, sometimes I'll get an eye roll. Sometimes I'll still get a little grin. But, you know, I do have some challenges communicating with my daughters at times yeah you know i i was kind of like abraham lincoln said you know the guy that uh, keeps his mouth shut appears to be a fool but the one that opens him shows his true colors <laughs> that's right so sometimes i have to just learn to keep my mouth shut and listen there's no doubt uh you know and especially you know being a man i don't know if you know this ken but sometimes women communicate different than we do and so, I mean, I have two daughters of my own, and so I, I have two boys as well, but it's, it's amazing how communicating with, with those daughters is definitely different, and, uh, and I have to learn some different ways of communicate than what I do with my boys. And it, it's just, that's how God created us. He created us differently, and that's good, yeah, yeah. but sometimes it can be a challenge as well. It's a challenge to get that sensitive side to come out sometimes. It, it is. It is. You know, I think about there's so many great passages of Scripture that talk about communication and how we struggle with it. I just want to share in Proverbs chapter 10, there's several passages in there. I'm just going to share a couple here, Ken, for us to giggle about. Uh, chapter 10, verse 11, it says, The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. But the words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. We'll talk more about this as we talk about uh, our topics for the day. Another great one in verse 13, it says, Wise words come from the lips of people with understanding, but those lacking sense will be beaten with a rod. And how many times have we not maybe literally been beaten with a rod, but maybe figuratively when our words were not they didn't have a lot of common sense to them, basically, especially with our girls when we communicated with them, whether it's the ruling of the eyes or whatever. And the last one, verse 20, it says, the words of the godly, I like this, are like sterling silver. Boy, true. But the heart of a fool is worthless. You know, you think about foolish talk, man, like you said a little couple minutes ago, it can just really get us in trouble. Absolutely. Well, again, today we're going to be talking about two primary areas, not because that I knew that you struggled with these, Ken, just because I just wanted to talk about them and I thought you'd be a good guy to talk about with these. Uh, Maybe you dealt with some of them in the coal mine or other places. Uh, So we're talking about flattery and manipulation, which again is dealing with lies and deception, exaggeration of the truth, and usually... We use these forms of communication when we're wanting to get something from someone else. So we could be 
desiring some tangible or untangible. We could try to get money or just getting acceptance from somebody. We could just be trying to get anything. And at the heart of this, I'm not sure what you're going to think about this, Ken, but as I've been reading up on this, it's basically a lack of faith in God. I would agree. Because it's, or the lack of the thinking that God can give us his goodness because we're longing to get some type of what we think is good from someone else instead of us putting our trust, our faith in God for his goodness. And so we try to get in a not good way something from someone else. So let's talk about, Ken, let's talk about the flattering tongue first. Uh, this is when, again, we, maybe it's an exaggeration of the truth or a flowery compliment or a compliment on steroids, maybe you want to say. Basically, it's a lie or maybe there's a, a hint of truth in it, but it's not being shared for a good reason. So, Ken, as you think about this, did you ever, can you think about a time when maybe you used flattery or you knew somebody else that used some flattery in, in any ways? Did you have a pickup line when you were younger? Well, I, uh, I, I thought this was really humorous when I, oh, I first read the, the question, and I actually had to ask my wife. I said, did I have a pickup line? We've, <laughs> we've known each other for over 47 years and been married for 46. And I said, did I have a pickup line? She says, well, you were a man of few words. Oh. She said, but I remember one thing when you met you the first time. She said, you had a really nice car. Oh, and I did. I had a 1973 Roadrunner that Ooh. I had bought, that I had bought brand new off the showroom floor, and it was metallic blue, red stripe on it, and all that stuff. And it was a very nice car. And I remember she said, I remembered after she said it, that I said to her when I first met her, I says, "Well, I've got a really nice car." And I've got money, and you're beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, it was definitely a flattering. Right. It was to, meant to flatter her because yeah, I wanted to have her date me. That's right. So you, you use what you had at your capability to be able to get her to exactly. come with you. All right. Well, Ken, I, I'm sad to say that I still remember. Uh, now, I remember my line that I used on my wife. I, the funny thing is I, I still use this line from time to time just because it's a cute one. And, and I love just making her smile. Sometimes, yes, I get a roll of the eyes. And, and when my daughters hear me say it to my wife, I get one of those groans from my daughters, you know. And this is what I've said to my wife before. I'll, uh, as she's walking away from me, I will say to my wife, hey, is your dad a baker? And she'll... And she'll turn and she'll stop and she'll, she'll, she knows the answer now, but she'll ask the question. She'll say, why, honey? And then I will respond, because you've got nice buns. <laughs> and yes, uh, I've, I, yes, I use that on my wife. And yes, I, and so you can imagine why my daughters just groan when I say it oh, to absolutely. my wife. Yeah. And they roll their eyes in big ways. But we use these, <clears throat> again, we use these flattering comments to try to get somebody to do something for us. And, you know, Daniel the other day, it was so cute. He used one. I wish I can remember what he said to his mom because he found this one. I don't know if it was a friend at school or YouTube or somewhere. He found one and he shared it with his mom. And it was just, again, he's already learning about these little techniques to get his mom's attention, to get his mom to be thinking about him. So, you know, Ken, we use all these different ways, and I'm sure you've heard other people using little comments, little lies, maybe, 
to get something from someone else. Did you ever see any of that in the mines? Oh, yeah. You, especially when I got up in to be senior management. Oh, yeah. It was quite often. The, and, I, you know, fortunately, I had gone through a lot of schooling and how to read people. And it was pretty obvious to me when somebody was trying to, you know, flatter me or, as we're going to talk about here in a little bit, manipulate me. Mm-hmm. Um to get something for themselves. But usually I tried to turn it around on them and tried to figure out, okay, how can I really help you? Yeah. How can I help you grow and how can we resolve an issue without trying to figure out who's going to gain out of the thing? That's great because I think we understand <clears throat> flattery can certainly bring pain, whether it's pain to myself because of not trusting God for his goodness or whether it's the person that I'm flattering because it could hurt them with, if they have self-esteem issues, uh, I could share something with them to build their pride up or in any way it can help them, hurt them in different ways. Well, I think the key is motivation of the heart. It really is. For both the person sharing the flattery and the motivation of the person who's receiving that flattery, what do I want to share back? Mm -hmm. What's my motivation? You know, I think of a story in Scripture. It's it's one we don't talk about very often. It's hidden in the book of Acts. Um, <clears throat> it's just a surprising one. It's in Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 20. And uh, it, it's just a story of, of King Herod, and he was having a, a, a rough day. And it goes like this, starting verse 20. It says, Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they, they sent... They, they weren't happy with the king was upset at them, so they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent on Herod's country for food. So they had a reason uh, for wanting to make peace with Herod. They really wanted to get their life back into a better place. And so the delegates, it depends now, we talk about they could have just shared truth. And just talk truth with Herod. But let's see what they actually do. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. So when the day arrived, okay, now so the day comes, How? what's Herod's purpose going to be? How's he going to receive what they have to say? And how will these people respond to Herod? Well, let's see. So we're in verse 21 now. It says, Herod put on his royal robes. And he sat on his throne, and then he made a speech to them. Now, we don't know what he said, but more than likely, he just wanted to let them know the fact that he wore his royal robes. He wanted them to know who's the boss. More than likely, as King Herod was, he wanted to share his pride and how his arrogance and how he was the king you need to pay attention to me. All right, well, how do they respond to this? It says in verse 22, the people, the delegation, they gave him a great ovation, shouting, it's the voice of a God, not of a man. That's flattery. They just shared flattery with him. And now the question is, how's Herod going to receive this? Again, depending on people, how they receive flattery will depend on how much pain comes out of this. Let's see. In verse 23, it says, Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness. Why? Because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing of accepting flattery and understanding flattery. Yeah. Um, you know, he... he could have still accepted the flattery, 
But if he would have immediately turned that flattery around to giving glory to God, yeah, then he'd have been fine. Absolutely. God is the is the true God. I'm not the God. No. You guys need to acknowledge I'm the king, so you need to respect me as the king, but you're worshiping the wrong guy. Absolutely. He could have responded differently, mm-hmm. but out of his his pride yeah. and his arrogance, he received it. Yeah. And that's the thing. When we are flattering someone else, you know, we can't control how they're going to receive it. Whether it's their low self-esteem or high self-esteem of themselves, they could receive it in an ungodly way. But so therefore, how should we act? Should we use those lies? And so and the, these people were out of line. The flattery caused pain, severe pain in this case. Herod, because of his pride and his esteem, he ended up dying. Now, it's not always that severe, but... Flattery has a high chance of bringing pain in some ways, either to the person who's doing the flattery or the person who's receiving it. So, Ken, do you have any other good scriptures that uh, you can think of that really help you in this category or this area of life that you can think of? Well, actually, I have two. Okay. And and one of them is in Proverbs 28, okay. uh, verse 23. Um, he who he who rebu- rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with the tongue. Oh yeah, you know, and and I really like that one. But there's another one that has been kind of an all time favorite of mine. Okay, and and it really doesn't talk about flattery, but it really kind of is a guideline for us. Okay, and it's uh, Micah six eight. All right. The Lord has shown you what is good. He has told you what he requires of you. You must act with justice. You must love to show mercy and you must be humble as you live in the sight of your God. That's like a foundational passage. It is. It is. That has been one of my favorite passages my whole Christian life. Yeah. Because you you think about how, again, you're focused on the goodness of God and our place in front of God. And then how do we love others in light of that. Mm-hmm. That's so huge. Uh, that's a great passage, Ken. I hope you guys tell the guys again, what is that passage so they can just look it up again? It's Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8, guys. So you might want to just look that up again and read that over again and just meditate on that a little bit, guys, as something that can really help you as a foundational passage of how we should not flatter people, instead share truth. Another good one that I like, Ken, I just want to share is uh, it comes out of the Psalms, chapter 5. And this is one, uh, it's verses 9 to 12, and it just talks about flattery in here and how it can bring pain to others. Uh, It says, my enemies cannot speak a truthful word. So there's those lies, the flattery. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. So you think about what flattery is. Uh, it says then their, their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. Oh God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. So we can see that this person who's writing this, what they think of flattery and also what God thinks of flattery. It's a rebellion against God. And as he says, it's potentially destroying others. Our flattery to hopefully get something hurts others. And the frustrating thing for me is, I know I've done it. It hurts me to read this because of those moments, whether it's my pickup lines 
or some other way that that if I've done it, I know I've brought pain to others and I've hurt myself as well in my faith journey of trusting God for his goodness. So instead of using flattery, we learn to speak truth and love and trust God for his goodness in our lives. Notice as we continue on verse 11, this is what it says then for the author as he writes this, what he's hoping for himself. He says, but let all who take refuge in you, God, rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. So the person who trusts in God for his goodness, instead of feeling the need to flatter others to get goodness from them, they are blessed. Ken, when you hear that passage, what, what does that mean to you? If, if if the people are blessed, if you're blessed by giving unto others, yeah. you're you're at it's the best you get. Yeah. I mean it's it's So it, so you just turned this on his head, Ken, and I yeah. love that because flattery is wanting to get something from someone else, but you just said blessings come from giving to others. Exactly. And having that as a mindset. Exactly. I mean, that's, uh, to me, that's what flattering is, is you want to enhance someone's thought of themselves or of what they're doing. Mm. So, so, so they learn to that, you know, that's what God has given you the pat on the shoulder for is you're doing what he, I want you to do. Mm. Loving kindness. Love that, Ken. That's awesome to be able to share that understanding of how, you know, how godly flattery, I guess we could call it that, godly flattery is blessing others mm-hmm. instead of longing to get something from them. Exactly. Well, do you have any ideas uh, beyond the scripture of any practical things that you can share with guys that maybe help them instead of sharing these untruths, these flattery things? What else could they do to help keep from doing that? You know, I think one of the key things that I've learned over the years is stay in the word. Okay. Stay in the word. And then, you know, think before you speak. You know, we got to remember our tongues convey direction. Yeah. Our tongues convey character and our tongues create problems. Okay. Absolutely. And the scriptures, like you said, can help us meditate on how to better use any of those exactly. to bring glory to God. Exactly. Uh, I think for, for me, it's just being aware, what are those times that I potentially in the past mm-hmm. have allowed flattery to be part of my conversation? Because the more I'm aware of where those moments are, potentially I can keep it from happening the next time. So for me, just being aware and then maybe in those moments, Maybe that Psalm 19 that we I've mentioned before, may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you. Uh, and so for God to, for me to be praying to God in those moments that I might honor him in those moments. And then the, the other thing I just want to mention is maybe be so thankful of God's goodness that he, like you said, the blessings that we've already received from God, the more I'm focused on those, the less I'm going to be needing to flatter somebody to try to get goodness from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Just be aware. Man, I'm blessed. I am so blessed that I don't need to flatter somebody to get somebody uh, something from somebody else. All right. Well, Ken, that's a lot about flattery. Let's talk about the other one that's maybe even a little bit nastier. I guess you could say even just hearing the word manipulation to try think about trying to manipulate somebody. That's a word. It, it sounds nasty. It's not a it good does. thing. Yeah. And this is something again, this is using it's a little bit like flattery, but it's using some guilt trips, maybe playing the suffering victim card to get something from somebody else. 
Uh, you know, one of the areas that I remember this, Ken, do you remember the movie, The Sandlot? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> a little movie about the boys that played baseball. The one scene in particular, I remember his name was Squint, and they were in the swimming pool. I don't know if you remember this scene or not, but there was that really cute lifeguard. Wendy Peppercorn was the, was her name. And I, I, I watched this scene again because I thought it was so cool. Uh, Squints, even though he doesn't share any words, he manipulates Wendy because he just wanted to get a kiss from this cute girl. Uh-huh. And so he fakes. You remember what he fakes? He, drowning. He fakes drowning, yep. yeah. He fakes drowning, and then she saves him from the pool, and she does mouth-to-mouth on him, and all of a sudden, Squints gets this look on his face, this grin <laughs> to his buddies, saying, man, I got this girl. <laughs> he manipulated her. He did. To get something good from her. Now, I know that more than likely, Ken, when we watched that movie, we had a smile on our face and like, way to go, Squints. But ultimately, that's not a God thing. That's not good. Squints, naughty, naughty. That's not a good thing because uh, when we're manipulating somebody to do something, that's not a good thing. Ken, have you ever done anything like this? Can you remember? You know, I'm going to revert back to when my wife and I, before we were married. Okay. Because uh, we talked about this yesterday also, and and it was it was a get-to-know-you-better event. Yep. And I had convinced her to go on a short hike with me. I said it was a short hike. <laughs> okay. And we were in the mountains and it was about Labor Day and I wanted to go fishing, but I also wanted to spend time with her. Right. So I told her, I said, you know, I know this, la- I know where this lake's at, but I, there's no trail to it, but I know just about where it's at. <laughs> so we're, you know, we're boulder hopping. She had borrowed hiking boots from her sister. And so we're about halfway to the lake and I, I cause I knew about how far it was going to be and pretty quick she had blisters on big old water blisters on her feet and I said well let's turn around and go back and of course then she wanted to show how tough she was Uh because that that was part of the deal as I was saying you know you're really a strong girl and you you can (laughs) do this outdoor stuff really well and of course I wanted her to be an outdoor woman right of course you did yeah and so then she takes her hiking boots off and walks in her stocking feet (laughs) <laughs> in the rest of the way to the lake. And, of course, we get in there and it starts snowing. Oh, man. Oh, we still chuckle about that. But, you know, she still married me, Paul. Did, did she chuckle about it in those moments, though, Ken? Uh, she wasn't the most happy person with me. Because <laughs> I actually even offered to carry her part of the way. Uh-huh. I said, I can, you can, I can fireman carry you out of here. And she said, no. No, I'll do it. I'm yeah. like, I'm tough. You I got me into it. this. Yeah. I'm going to get you. Yeah. yeah. So oh. I did catch one fish, by the way. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, for me, Ken, uh, where this comes out for me, and I'm sad to say this, but I'm going to admit it because I know there are other guys out there that struggle with this issue, and that's passive aggressiveness. You think about what passive aggressiveness is, it's sharing something in a manipulative way to try to get something in return. For instance, uh, you know, I, I might walk into the house and I say, well, I guess I'll have to do the dishes. And I say it like that with that sure. tone. And it's a manipulative tone, wishing that someone else would do the dishes, whether it was my wife or my kids. But I say it to manipulate, to try to get them set something out of it. You know, for instance, I, you know, I might say to my wife, wow, I haven't had a good meal of pasta in such a long time <laughs> because I love her pasta. But maybe I haven't had it. But the better way that I could simply say it is, honey, you know, I would love it if you could make one of your great pasta dishes because it is so good. Now, you think about the differences just of those two ways that I've said that. Mm -hmm. One of them, 
Passive aggressiveness, it's manipulating, trying to cause a guilt on my wife to get something good out of it. Where if I just speak the truth in love, my wife is lifted up because I'm letting her know I love your pasta. Mm -hmm. Ken, that's drastically different. Absolutely different. One is very manipulative and it's ungodly. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it because I've used it. And the other way is godly and it's better and it's uplifting to my wife. You know, I think about, there's a story in scripture, Ken, uh, maybe you've heard it, Samson and Delilah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a it's word, it's a one there where there was manipulation. You know, Del- Delilah, because she was encouraged by the leaders of the Philistines, she was encouraged to do what any measures possible to get, figure out what is Samson's strength. And so finally she did. She, uh, she pouted, it says in verse 15 of uh, chapter 16, uh, it's, it says, Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? And you can just hear that's her tone, Ken. Oh, yeah. You can you know, flux it in there. You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. So she tormented him, it says in verse 16, with her nagging day after day until he was so sick of it that he let her know. And he finally told her that it was his hair. And then she, the rest of the story, she got it cut off and then he lost his strength. You know, you think about manipulation, Ken. It's just not good. It's not healthy. It brings pain into relationships. Again, you've, you mentioned that you can see it sometimes at the mine when you were working in the mine mm-hmm. and, and not a good thing, right? Right. But, but you got to remember back what her root cause was there. It wasn't just for herself. It was for her monetary gain. Yeah. She was going to get paid 1,100 pieces of silver from each of the five leaders. Yeah. 5,500 pieces of silver when about 110 pieces of silver per year was an average wage then. So she was going to be a very wealthy woman. She was. There was so, and just the fact that it wasn't just the money. It was the esteem in that society. Here's this woman that all of a sudden is going to be looked at as you're an amazing woman. You got us what we wanted. So she was going to have a lot of people looking at her in a very healthy, good way. Why wouldn't she? They they kind of manipulated her. Mm -hmm. They did. To get her to do what they needed her to do. And then she used manipulation to get from him. So the whole thing just stinks. But yet at the same time... Sometimes we use these methods to get it. Well, Ken, is there any other scripture verses that can help uh, the guys out there or the ladies that are listening as well to know how to walk more godly in this area of life that you can think of? Well, I did uh, bring up one scripture that I really like. It's Psalm 119, verse 27. Okay, what's that? And it says, help me understand how your rules direct me to live. Then I may think deeply about the wonderful things you have done. Yeah. Fairly simple scripture, but it gives all the glory to God and teaches each one of us, pay attention and learn to live the wonderful things you have taught me to do. Yeah. So again, you keep taking us back to the heart because so much of this comes out of our hearts. It does. The more we know Christ, the more we know his heart it changes our heart in how we approach other people and how we address them, how we question them, whether we're going to be speaking lies or flattery or manipulation to get what we want, or whether we're going to be sharing truth in love out of the love that God first shared with us. 
That is so huge. Uh, another passage I'll just mention, it's out of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 20. It says, the Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. Mm-hmm. So again, that's a hard thing. Oh, it is. Manipulation or goodness comes out of our hearts and how we interact with other people. Exactly. So powerful. It is. Another scripture uh, that Paul, this is one Paul shares out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, and the new way is the new covenant, the fact that Jesus, he took our place on the cross. That's the new way. We never then give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. So he's talking about manipulation. We we reject those. Instead, we don't try to, well, no. He says, we continue, we don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. Instead, we tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. So Paul says, as we speak truth, people know this. They recognize truth in comparison to manipulation or flattery or wicked ways. Ken, you said that in the mind. You said you got, because you did it so long, you got to recognize when people were using unjust ways or manipulation or flattery instead of just speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. It's noticeable, especially the more you get to know someone. It is. Yeah. So Ken, do you have any suggestions for the guys how to take this heart stuff of God, knowing God more? Is there anything beyond that you have an idea of how we can do better and not be using manipulation and, and being better at this? I do. And, and, and I'll try to do this fairly briefly, but I don't even remember where I got this. But, you know, it's the Bible is God's truth about me and the truths to live by. And there's several things in this list to live by. Be honorable, where we show honor to everyone. Be humble, where we don't draw attention to ourselves. Mm. Be selfless. We think of others more than we think of ourselves. Be pure. Strive to be have untarnished motives. Peace-loving. We agree to peacefully, respectfully disagree. Be gentle. Consider the feelings of others before acting. Merciful, be merciful. We give second chances because they have been given to us. Be impartial. We show fairness to all that we encounter. And my, one of my favorite ones is be sincere. Be authentic, honest, and full of integrity. Dang. That's all good. I mean, that's a list that if we could live that list, well, which the, all of that is right out of Scripture. It is. We could find Scripture after Scripture to support every one of those uh, ways of life. Uh, man, if we could just allow that to play out in our lives, manipulation and flattery would not even be part of who we are. Exactly. And the less it's part of who we are, the more it's going to be better for our relationships, period. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt that when I use some of that passive aggressiveness in my relationship with my wife or my kids, it's crazy because I use it to get something good, but instead of get something good, it just breaks those relationships down. It's not healthy at all, and it makes things worse. And that's the that's a crazy thing about this is we use these tactics thinking it's going to make our lives better, but it doesn't. It, our hearts walk away from God in those moments, and it hurts the relationships around us. And so an extra thing I want to throw out there, Ken, for me, that one of the things that has helped me to get better at this mm-hmm. is for in those moments where I blow it, where I do something that is not good, 
I ask for forgiveness. Because I don't know about you, Ken, but I don't like being wrong. Oh, no. I don't like when I'm found out to be do, that I did something that was not good. And so when I'm willing to admit that and ask forgiveness, man, I'm going to remember that because I don't want to have to go through that again for my own sake, but also for the sake of others. I don't like the idea of hurting my family or friends or colleagues that I work with. I want that, them to have a better life. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I'm going to ask for forgiveness when I get it wrong to mend that relationship and hopefully to remember to do better the next time. Ken, can you see how that can help a lot? Exactly. Yep. Well, it's like that. I said, be sincere. Yeah. Be sincere. Be sincere. Be humble. Be willing to admit when I got it wrong. That was another one of those words yep. in there. Yep. Uh, it's it's about caring about others more than we care about ourselves. And truthfully, it's the golden rule. Love others the way God first loved us. Exactly. If we can get that in, in right in our communication, Ken, Wow. Our world would be a much better place. <laughs> our world, beginning with each of our families. Exactly. Because that's where it can first start. Because that's where we let our hair down. And sometimes we say things that can hurt others, even though they, we love them the most, it happens. Well, Ken, I want to thank you so much uh, for just spending this time. You shared so much depth in this short period of time with the guys. I know the guys in your life group are, are going to love this, even though they're all perfect at this, right? They've never done any of this wrong. They are. Are they perfect <laughs> with, with their maturity that they have? They are. They're a yeah. good group of guys. They are a good group of guys, and uh, and I love all of them. And uh, but Ken, the last thing I just want, guys, the last thing I want to share, and I want to ingrain this in our hearts I want us to memorize this. Again, that last part of Psalm 19. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If that prayer can be written on our hearts and to allow the Holy Spirit of God to take all these things, Ken, that we've talked about and to make our hearts better, man, our communication is going to be better and our world's going to be better. Ken, thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah. And for all you guys out there, I hope that this can be just a little bit of help for you as we continue on that journey of allowing the Holy Spirit to help us on our journey of becoming holy men. Have a great day.